time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, June 29th, 2020. Happy Monday to everyone out there. Hope everyone's weekend was great. Mine was uh, pretty good, low-key, low-key like a lot of the weekends. But again, the only difference between my normal days here and the weekends are that, uh, you know, I take a little bit break from doing the podcast I occasionally will, will record with someone doing an interview, but for the most part, I uh, try to step away from it, give myself a little time for some uh, R&R, if you will. Even though with this quarantine and everything, it seems like every day's kind of been just this uh, sit around waiting for something to happen. So I've tried to challenge myself to stay active, to get out, to, to do job searches, to tr- really put some time into the podcast as well. So it's been an interesting time, and I think... As we're you know moving right along here into the summer, I think I've, I've seen some real positive changes, and uh, you know I'm excited for some new steps forward uh, myself. But the weekend was pretty good. Friday had some had some dinner with uh, me and Valerie with another couple. Kind of uh, just went out a little bit, and it was nice being out on a patio actually, just kind of relaxing. Saturday was pretty low key, didn't do a whole lot. I did watch the UFC fights, of course. Uh, pretty much watched uh, the whole card, and I got to tell you, the last fight of the night, uh, I know some of you may not watch some of this stuff, but Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker had a main event fight in, in the lightweight division, and it was fantastic. It was uh, perhaps a fight of the year type of can. <laughs> uh, you know, it was just back and forth. I love seeing competition. I love seeing uh, people struggle against each other in a chess match and also just the grit and the grind. And that's really why I've gotten into fighting the past few years. Uh, at, at the end of the UFC, there was some uh, there was some boxing, not a whole lot, but just a little bit. I stayed up and watched a little bit of that. And one thing that was intriguing to me is, you know, I think combat sports referees have probably the biggest responsibility in all of sports officiating. And this comes from a guy who's officiated football, basketball, baseball. Uh, Those are sports I love. I love to be a part of. They're uh, very challenging. Um, I think working home plate is one of the hardest things to do in in sports officiating. I think the sport of basketball is very difficult to officiate. Uh, It's almost like, uh, you know, every play is like a pass interference type play in football. And, uh, you know, football in itself is another animal because you really have to trust other guys um, you, you got to be aware of your surroundings, the situations and everything. So every sport has its challenge, but I look at combat sports specifically, you know, UFC MMA is very brutal and, you know, the officials really have to be on their toes to, to stop a fight. UFC, they have, uh, you know, guys tapping out submission. Um, but, but there's also, I mean, in that sport, guys get knocked to the ground and, you can still hit them. I mean, you can still pound on them until the referee calls it. So those guys really have to be aware of when a guy has had too much, when he's taken too too many shots to the head. And in boxing, look at boxing referees. I saw a fight Saturday night. A guy was getting 
beat up pretty good. Um, it was uh, later rounds, and he took quite a few shots. He wasn't going down. And maybe, maybe the referee called it a little early because the guy didn't get knocked out or anything. But it just – it got me wondering, like, that's a job where you really have to err on the side of – uh, are you jumping in too early? Maybe, but you definitely don't want, want to jump in too late. So there's a lot of times with with uh, referees in combat sports where uh, there's a lot of skepticism about you know their stoppages and stuff. But I think in general they do a really good job of jumping in and stopping fights when they should. I can't imagine the training that goes on for all that to be aware and what to notice. I, it's fascinating stuff to me as a sports official. I would uh, very much like to. Uh, see kind of the things they're trained on and and learn what is too much. I, I I try to decide those things from my couch like any other fan fan does just uh, in general. But uh, it's fascinating stuff. I think there's no greater responsibility for a referee than uh, in combat sports than stopping guys from uh, you know potentially getting severe injuries, uh, even death in some cases. So uh, it, it's just uh, fascinating stuff as a as a referee as a someone who loves officials umpires, referees, uh, whatever. I, I think it is a tremendous responsibility. And it's something that I was thinking of uh, watching fights by myself on Saturday night, uh, boxing, UFC, all of it. I, I love it all. I really do. I love all the training that goes in with these fighters and just the buildup, if you will, to, I mean, a guy trains for months for, for 10, 15 minutes, he either wins or loses, and then it's on to doing it again. It's, it's really interesting stuff. And uh, I, I've definitely gotten hooked on it. But the fight, again, the UFC fight on Saturday night, Dan Hooker, Dustin Poirier, amazing fight. If you haven't had a chance to, to see it, um, you know, go, go on the ESPN app, however you got to do it, and, and check it out. The, the one other thing I got to say about boxing and stoppages and, and what I saw was that sometimes the fighters are like, hey, man, why'd you stop the fight? And to me, <laughs> they're erring on the side of stopping something too early versus too late, right? So if there is any inkling that a referee wants to stop a fight or feels he needs to stop a fight, to me, as a fighter, you might have a minor gripe. But if you're getting your head kicked in, I mean, you can't honestly sit there and be like, oh, I was going to come back from that. I mean, if you take a certain amount of punches – directly in a row and the guy stops it and you're still on your feet and you're like whoa, whoa whoa hey why'd you stop that it's like uh well you didn't do anything you didn't show me anything and to me you don't have a complaint i i think i don't know combat sports is very different as far as officiating goes i don't know much about it but i'm, I'm still learning and so it's not like to me when a guy uh takes a charge in basketball and gets called for a block he doesn't he can't get up and you know it's not the same as getting up being like hey, hey whoa, whoa i was sad i, I was there uh, in fighting, I think the referees are just this impartial judge of an imperfect system, and they have to make a, a decision about your safety. Uh, so to me, you don't have a complaint. You just don't. You should have fought better. You shouldn't have put yourself in that situation. At least those are my thoughts. And again, I don't know much about this stuff, but I'm learning every day, and it's something I'm passionate about uh, that, that uh, every week uh, you know, there's, there's fights on, and, and I definitely tune in. So anyway, enough of that. Uh, one other thing I want to mention today – do you guys look at I'm a I'm a pretty reserved guy. This is odd for me to be jumping on a podcast of all things. But have you guys ever you know the people I'm talking about? Some people just have an ongoing losing battle with silence. They they, they just they don't they get nervous, I guess, when when there's not conversation going or like words being said. 
It's like, dude, it's okay to just be quiet sometimes. Like, for instance, you guys are ever in the grocery store line and, you know, it's small talk. Hey, how's it going? How's your day? Find everything you need. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Some people take that moment to try to make a new best friend. It's like someone's someone's uh, bagging your groceries and checking you out of a line. You don't need to tell them your life story. I mean, who would have thought like <laughs> a couple steaks and some vegetables and uh, chips, whatever you, maybe a six pack of soda, whatever you're buying, that, that, that would turn into some like, yeah, you know, my weekend, man, I got to tell you, it's like some people don't possess that like awkward vibe in their body. I hate awkwardness. I would rather not say a word than say something completely stupid. And some of you are probably laughing right now because you're like, well, you say stupid things on this podcast all the time. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, but but in public, around people, man, I, I've always been kind of shy and reserved. Once I get to know you, I open up a lot more. Uh, but but in general, man, I would, I, I'm fine just sitting there sometimes being quiet. I'm not trying to be standoffish or anything. But some people, they just struggle with silence. I don't know if they get nervous or what. Um, I'm not saying don't be friendly to people. I'm not. Trust me. But especially when there's other people in line behind you at, say, a grocery store, you guys don't need to be having this conversation. You're not going to know this person 10 seconds from now. Just hello, hi, bye. All right, have a good day. Like, what's so hard about that? I don't know. It's just funny to me. I, I, that's not me. And, and I will have a conversation with someone. I'll be cordial. But you can just see in some people they have this desperate desire to, oh, I got I got to talk to this person. I got to say something. I, I, I have to. It's like. Dude, smile, be courteous, say hi, say bye, say please and thank you, uh, maybe share a laugh, whatever. But then, I mean, go about your day. Some people walk around looking for friends, I guess. I don't know what it is. It's just, it's entertaining to me. <laughs> Some people have an ongoing losing battle with silence. That's that's all I say, man. Uh, silence cannot be quoted and silence cannot be misquoted. You know what I mean? Those are things I've always learned. So I'm not saying don't be friend. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, oh, Matt says you got to just walk with your head down and uh, your eyes closed. No, I'm not saying that. But, you know, you know the people I'm talking about. I know you guys know. You know exactly who I'm talking about. So <laughs> be friendly, but let's do this stuff in a timely manner, huh? You're buying groceries. You're not You're not uh, making a lifelong best friend here. Handle business quick. Here's my card. Swipe it. Okay, hey, thanks a lot. Have a, have a good day, uh, Jeremy, whatever your name is. All right, let's just move right along. <laughs> but man, hey, hey, it's a, hey, what, what, hey, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh I did this yesterday. Oh yeah, we just came from this. It's like, whoa, let's just expedite the process here. Let's expedite. There's other people behind us. Anyway, those are my thoughts today on a Monday morning, guys. I know, very random. Uh, combat sports referees and then uh, grocery line etiquette. That's how we're starting the week off. That's about where I'm at here with this whole quarantine thing. Uh, I've been doing this podcast for a few months now. Been happy with it. Been very excited about all the guests we've had on. It's been so much fun. But you know what? Every now and then you, you come up with some interesting thoughts. And, and that's what I've been doing is – during the day, when something comes up, I just write it down on my on my phone, a notepad, just like a, a random thought, and, and try to piece all those together and, and come up with something to talk about on the podcast. That's kind of how it's been. So uh, to be continued, uh, more <laughs> more content uh, as the world uh, as the world goes on. Right. Well, guys, let's talk about our guest today. Really pleased 
to uh, have on the have on, have on the podcast this morning. Gee, get it right, man. Uh, to have Ken Lee on the program. He is the third uh, brother uh, of the Lee family that has been on the program. His brother Bill Lee was on the program on Friday, and Bill left us a little cliffhanger. He started to tell a story about Bill and Ken, and uh, you know when they were kids, and maybe you know it was headed down a uh, interesting direction as far as their interaction and brothers being brothers. So Ken will will start will start his uh, interview off by finishing that story. But it was just a blast sitting down with his brother Bill uh, and recording. And, and you guys heard that on Friday. It was a long interview. Uh, and Bill being a Marine, uh, it, you know, there was just so much to cover. So uh, I wouldn't have had it any other way. But when Bill left that comment, that cliffhanger at the end of his interview, I said, well, we got to get his uh, brother Ken on here to finish that story since we had already had his uh, older brother John on a few weeks back. So this is the third Lee brother uh, coming on again, another real Hondo prep graduate. Uh, Ken Lee is also a podcaster. He is in law enforcement. He works as a uh, police detective. Uh, he'll touch on that a little bit. So there's a lot of different things to talk about. And I got to tell you, man, the, the Lee boys, uh, what a special group they are. Um, special family, of course, uh, their dad and their mom. And, you know, if you haven't, you've heard Bill talk, you've heard John talk about family. You'll hear a little bit about Ken talk, talk about it today. Just an incredible family, incredible group of people. Uh, you know, I, I want, I'm definitely excited about you guys hearing this interview. I do want to say one thing about the interview. We played with the audio a little bit. Uh, my voice, for whatever reason, comes in really, really loud, uh, which I'm not happy about, but we tried to work on it. Uh, actually, Ken, assisted me with some of the audio here because he's really good at technology and uh, editing and such. So he'll tell you a little bit about that as well. Um, his voice comes in a little soft early on. So you may have to turn me down when I talk, turn him up when he's talking. Uh, our apologies. It is what it is. Uh, we're trying to improve here on our recordings daily and we make some progress and sometimes we go backwards. But anyway, uh, bear with us. Turn him up a little bit if you need to. Turn me down. Uh, it, it's a really fun interview. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Let's get right to it. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll get right into the interview with Ken Lee. Okay. Joining us today is Ken Lee. He is the third of the Lee brothers that we are having on here on the podcast. No particular order, although we did do it, I guess, kind of oldest to youngest, uh, inadvertently, of course. But uh, Ken Lee is joining us today. He's actually a fellow podcaster. He, he's doing great work with his podcast called Dad's Dan. We're going to talk about all that stuff. He's a member of the class of 1994 from Rio Hondo Prep, of course. Uh, Ken, welcome to the program, my friend. Hey, hey, Matt, how are you doing, man? Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And you know what you did by going with John, Bill, and me, the Lee boys, is you basically just saved the best for last. So I'm good with that. <laughs> I knew you'd find the silver lining, uh, Ken. You're a very positive guy. And, yeah, absolutely. If, if you want to say it that way, I bet I bet both of your brothers right now, though, are probably uh, rolling their eyes pretty heavily, though. Oh, yeah, that, that's for sure. But, you know, that's, that comes with being brothers, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, well, uh, Ken. First off, I I, I have to uh, we we gotta we gotta finish a story here with you because Bill left us on a cliffhanger uh, with his episode on Friday that 
you know, <laughs> he started a story and he said, hey, my, I know my brother Ken's coming on. I'm going to let him finish it. So what Bill told us was that uh, you and him were playing basketball. I can't remember the age uh, he said exactly. You can fill us in there. But you guys were playing basketball down at uh, uh, Care Youth League, Rihondo Prep, on one of the backcourts. You were playing one-on-one. It got a little heated. Then you guys went to opposite ends. And uh, he said you continued to kind of talk smack as you were each shooting at your own baskets. And then he said, uh, you know, it, it went in an interesting direction. So please finish us, finish that story for us. So, yeah, I know exactly what story you're talking about. Uh, we were in high school. And so we like competitive juices are at its highest level right here. You know, testosterone's going bonkers. We're just, we want to play sports. We want to kill. We want to, we want to tackle. We want to. I mean, this is what our lives are, sports. And so Bill's, I, I don't remember how we got separated, what happened, but we get separated. And this is on a full 10-foot basketball court. Bill's on the one end. I'm on the other. I'm running my mouth, you know, just like a little brother would. And I said something. I don't remember what I said, but the switch turned on his head. The switch turned. He, he turned his whole body towards me, looks at me, and he starts running. He drops his basketball and he starts running full sprint towards me. Now, this is across the entire basketball length of the basketball court. And as he's getting closer and closer, I'm standing my ground, you know, cause I gotta be tough. And I'm like, bring it on, dude, what you got, what you got. I'm running my mouth probably still, I, I would imagine. And, um, yeah, he didn't slow down and it just full on Mike Singletary, Dick butt kiss, whatever you want to say it, it just shoulder in the, the stomach tackle. I go flying back about five yards in the air, land on my back. And this is on cement. Um, it, mind you. And I, I don't remember, I, I don't remember how I hit, but I'm surprised I didn't get a concussion out of it, but he just gets up and he says something to me and I can't remember what he says, but something to the fact of, don't you ever say that again, or don't ever mess with me again or something like that. And he just walks away. I, and here's the thing. I remember picking up my ball and I just went home. I was like, Nope, I'm not doing this anymore. Dude, this dude's crazy. So Anyway, yeah, that that's uh, the the uh, killer eyes Bill, man. He just, oh boy, yeah, he's crazy. <laughs> I don't think anybody, not that anybody would, but uh, nobody doubts that story for a second. I could picture it right now. Uh, I mean, so so to this day, can is it kind of this uh, this fear of your brother Bill? I mean, we all know what he's become in in the Marines and the and the amazing guy he is now. But, but, man, it's crazy to hear about a story like that when you guys were, were so young how we just took you out. <laughs> Dude, yeah, and, and it's no kidding. The funny thing is, though, Bill has always had this something about him that you knew he was going to do something like be a Marine or, you know, like I, there was two times, I two times that I could tell you that he saved Mark Carson's life when we were children. Two, like, literally saved his life. Um, and... And this is when we were kids, like eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. And Bill's out there, you know, saving people's lives already. And I'm like, what is, I mean, cause we were crazy, dude. We, I mean, I don't, I'm surprised that we're alive to be honest with you. Um, some of the crazy stuff that we did, but yeah, I mean, Bill, that was always in Bill's blood. There was always that switch he had and he still has it when he wants it. Um, but yeah, it, like if we were to get in a full on fight uh, right now, I would probably just run, you know, I'm, I'm not yeah, I'm not taking that, dude. No way. So yeah, Bill's Bill's got, Bill's got it in him, man. I tell you. Wow. Well, uh, yeah, he's he's quite a guy. Um, you know, <laughs> it was really great recording a podcast with him. I mean, we we talked a long time. 
it, it just it, it was one of my favorite ones I've done. Uh, I say that all the time with uh, various people, but uh, he just had a lot of good insight, of course, on on what it's like to, to be in the military, to be a leader of men. Uh, we, we know he <laughs> we know he's very passionate about uh, you know, and he likes confrontation apparently. But I, I think oh, we yeah. need pe- <laughs> we need people like that in this world uh, at times, and and he's doing a lot of great things. So just a, just a lot of fun to hear from him. Yeah, he's uh, you know having two brothers like the brothers I have, John and Bill, you know, we're all a little bit different, but we're all really, really the same in many, many, many ways, especially, (laughs) especially when it comes to being competitive and, and, but we've all kind of found these niches in our lives where, um, honestly, I, I'm proud to say that I'm brothers to, you know, to John and Bill. I mean, the stuff that, you know, the men that they've become and, you know, hopefully they're proud to say that they're, I'm, I'm their brother too, but I, I, who knows? But <laughs> <laughs> well, well, for sure. And you know, you guys were all pretty close in age. John and Bill were really close in age, uh, and, and so yeah, we mentioned you were the youngest, and you just talked about Bill. I mean, wh- what can you tell me about about John? I mean, did you get to listen to his podcast when when he came on a few weeks ago? I did. I loved it. His episode was great. John's nickname. Okay, do you remember the Care Bears? Do you remember Care Bears? The <laughs> show. I, the, yeah, the, I know. Yeah. A lot of people okay. made fun of the, the Rio name with that, of course. But uh, yeah, I remember right. the show. Yeah. So like in the 80s, I think maybe even the 90s, there was these little Care Bears and they all had little nicknames. You know what I mean? Well, because we were growing up during that time, of course, we would give people nicknames, kind of tease people and stuff. Well, John's, his nickname, bear name was Bitterheart Bear. <laughs> um, John was... Um, he was bitter. He was, he was a bitter heart bear. And he will tell you that he'd be the first to tell you that he was one of the most, if not out of all three of us, he was so competitive. He didn't like people telling him what to do. Um, hard headed, just, he, he was a knucklehead. Um, but one of the smartest guys, like still to this day that I've, I've ever known. I mean, he's super smart. He definitely got that from, from my parents. Uh, Bill and I kind of got the dumb jock thing from our parents too, (laughs) but John took the brains for sure. But also he was a good athlete. He was really fast. Now, did either of them tell you their, their story of when they got in a little scuffle up at uh, Mount Care? Uh, No, they did not. I'm going to get a little bit of insight on John Lee and then Bill Lee. You're going to get a little bit of both here. So uh, high school they're I believe they're seniors in high school and they're up at Mount Care and they would always fight all the time. They were always fighting all the time because they were so close in age. It was, you know, they were so close. So one time John is just, he's pecking at Bill, pecking at Bill, just like I did on the basketball court. John did something to Bill. I don't remember exactly. Well, Bill wanted to get back at John. John starts running. Bill's chasing him. They literally for an hour are just running the hillsides of Mount Care, Bill chasing John. And John knew that he's faster than Bill. Bill can't catch him. But Bill was like, he kept yelling, dude, you got to stop sometime. You got to stop sometime. (laughs) Just the determination of Bill. And by the time they get each other, I think that's when they broke the door and, you know, all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, they were just, they were knuckleheads together. So much fun to be brothers with them. Um, But, yeah, John John, um, has really just. Yeah, he's he's just an amazing man, you know, all the the different things that he he can do as a not only as a uh where he works as a manager but with his family and and just as a big brother, you know what I mean? I can always count on him, which is awesome. 
Well, it's interesting that, you know, you go through care and Rio and, and, and you guys grew up right there in the backyard of, of, uh, Rio Hondo prep or, or care being the backyard and everything, but all three of you guys, you know, you have developed into leaders of people in your different, uh, in your different ways of your life and everything. And so it was great to hear the stories that John has in running his trucking company and bill obviously being the Marines, uh, you know, it sounds like he got all kinds of training from both of you guys being brothers. I mean, uh, you know, getting his aggression out on you and then chasing a faster uh, uh, <laughs> target in John up in the hills. I mean, he's getting all this training for the warrior he would later become, man. I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We definitely we definitely helped in that for sure. We, we and John <laughs> like to say we developed Bill into who he was, you know, to the great man he is today. So you're welcome, Bill. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. And, and Ken, the things you're saying about John and Bill, see, these are the benefits of going last, actually. You get to talk more about them even, say some more stories. And uh, yeah, so so there's benefits to, uh, you know, to, to going third here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, well, Ken, I mean, you know, you talked on your brothers and, and each of your brothers had an opportunity to talk about your parents. And I want to give you that opportunity as well. Uh, you know, your dad, I told them he's always going to be that Atlantic pirate coach across the field for me when I was a third, fourth, fifth grader. But I later had him as a, as a teacher in high school and just one of my favorite teachers to, to be across. Just a kind man. I love the story he told about John and, you know, with Mr. Drain calling him and your dad just saying, ah, he deserved it, you know, and, and, yep. uh, <laughs> I never had the opportunity really for much interaction with your mom. I do know that the the, the small moments and times I got to uh, chat with her or say hello, she was just uh, so kind and so sincere in everything she did. And, you know, unfortunately, she, she passed away recently. And so, uh, again, my condolences to you and your family. And, and I know there's just been this outpouring of love and support uh, the past month or so. Uh, from so many different people that she touched. And it just has to speak volumes about uh, your mom and, and of course, just both your parents and the entire Lee family. Losing a, a parent is is never fun. There's still moments where I just completely miss her like crazy. My parents, I, I don't know how to explain them because it's I, I don't – I feel like um, it's almost bragging in a way <laughs> – uh, but I truly, and I know everybody feels this way. Like you have the best parents, you know, I have the best parents. No, I have the best parents, but I truly, truly believe that my parents were the best. You know, they were just, they got it. You know what I mean? Like they understood what mattered the most in life for us in our development as young men. And they allowed us though, those freedoms to still, sometimes you got to let your kids make the mistakes, you know what I mean? To learn, you, you can't learn. If, so if you're just hiding them in a bubble the entire time, they're never going to learn about life. They're never going to be able to go out there. And, and it goes to show, I mean, look what us three are doing, you know, I mean, John's up in Oregon leading a, a, a giant trucking company, Bill's a, a major in the Marine Corps. I'm a, you know, police detective. I mean, th these are jobs that I would have never thought any of us would have been doing you know growing up but those developments as we our parents taught us and what we were learning through carry through your prep it helped develop us develop us to be what we ended up being but my parents though matt i i tell you i i can't remember a time where i saw them argue in front of us like and I know they had arguments. I know they had disagreements on things, on how to raise us as boys, probably. I mean, they, they, you have to. That's just how it goes in marriage because I've been married for 20 years now and I get it. But they never argued in front of us. 
and it was an example. What it was, was my dad and mom trying to show us not that you're not going to have disagreements because they, they had some disagreements in front of us, but it was never yelling, never screaming, never. It was always very cordial. We will discuss this later and they go discuss it later. And it showed us how to be men, how to treat our future wives, how to respect women, how to, you know, and, and those are just some of the things, um, man, I could sit here and talk all day about the life lessons that they taught us. Good grief. But yeah, just amazing parents completely blessed to have them so oh it's uh it's very consistent with what your brother said i mean i, I think that's that's outstanding the whole you know not seeing your parents fight in front of each other thing i i think that that is them making a conscious decision to to handle their matters you know without you guys seeing that like you said and and, and that speaks volumes that that really does i think they were uh they were a, a step ahead at all times it seems like and uh, you know, having you three boys at, at the same kind of amongst the same age, especially in high school, I mean, three teenage Lee boys, I just can't imagine <laughs> what your parents, how your parents, how your parents managed all that. So, <laughs> dude, it, it, Matt, you have no idea how nuts it was, man. I, I, I'm going to throw some things out there. I'm not going to put names out there, but there was, there was knives thrown. There was, you know, between the, the between the brothers that stuck in other brothers backs, like literally um, fights. I mean, full on fight. There was a lot of craziness. There was sure enough craziness. But we had fun, man. I tell you, we had fun. Well, well, I want to touch on that for a second, Ken. I mean, you, you grew up with those, those guys and your brothers and friends and, you know what? Yeah, a little wild, a little bit of car- got carried away a little bit, but but what can you speak on just with today's kids and how you know it doesn't seem like uh, how do I say this? Bill and I kind of touched on like the 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 society attack on kind of masculinity, and I don't mean necessarily that, but just like you know, boys being boys, bo- boys learning lessons uh, outside, you know, scraping your knees. Uh, you know, at times having to fight and just there's so many of those lessons you learn playing with your friends uh, that you can't learn from like playing video games and on a computer and stuff. So I think things have changed over the years and and not to say there's not a time or place for the video games and everything. But, man, playing outside and running around and getting into trouble uh, a little bit, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. and, and <laughs> until until uh, the lights come down, came on at night. I, I think those days are almost gone and it's kind of sad. So what are, what are your thoughts? Now I can understand why parents started kind of trying to be more quote safe with their children. I get that. I do understand that. However, it's like you, you were just saying the life lessons that you learn when you're out there with your friends and you're playing with each other, you learn everything from how to deal with, uh, other friends socially, how to talk to somebody, how, when you hurt somebody, how to apologize the correct way. There's just so many life lessons you learn, you know, um, you know, you learn right from wrong. Hey, oh man, you know, you're tempted to do this and you do something you shouldn't have done with your buddies because of peer pressure. So then you learn like really what peer pressure is. So then when you're older, you can battle that. If you know that what's right and wrong, you're like, ah, no, I shouldn't do that because I learned, I remember learning this here. Um, so many, so many life lessons that are just not learned. And like you said, you can't learn it on a computer. You can't learn it by a video game. It's just impossible. And I'll be honest with you. Um, 
you know, as being a, a police officer and I did three and a half, almost four years as a school resource officer just recently. And I, it's, it's, I think right now is one of the hardest times to ever be a kid because you're just not a kid anymore. You know, this is the way I like to say it. Basically what we were all learning in college, they all are learning in high school. What we were learning in high school, they all know in junior high. What we were just learning in junior high, they now know in elementary. They have everything at their fingertips from, you know, from good to bad. It's just on their phone. They're in their rooms. You start getting a little snoopy on your computer, on your, your iPhone, whatever else. Next thing you know, dude, you're down this rabbit hole of, of, you know, I hate to say it, just things that you shouldn't be knowing at that age. And it's just ruining our society. Um, these kids don't even have the opportunity to be kids anymore. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. You know, you watch a kid who's in fifth grade saying that they want to commit suicide. What? What? How do you even know what that is? Like in fifth grade? I didn't even, I didn't even know what suicide was in fifth grade. I didn't even know what the word meant, you know? And, but because they see it all the time on social media, they're hearing about it, you know, in the news. Oh, my favorite actor did this. Dude, I didn't know any of that stuff. We didn't have access to it. We didn't know. You know, and it just, it's heartbreaking. Social media can be great. I mean, look what we're doing right here. We get to connect and we're talking through a podcast. It can be fantastic, but it can also just be destroying, you know, of, of a society. And, and it's just, oh man, it's just, it's heartbreaking. So, yeah, I, I think there's, there is this, uh, there's no longer this, this innocence that lasts as long as it, it used to. And I think some people are trying to expose kids to more sooner. And, and unfortunately, I, I think a lot of times we overdo it. I mean, you talked about school curriculums and uh, it, it's just crazy. Some of the things I, I think, I think as a society, especially in the schools, they're trying to, they're, they're trying to teach things that, kids didn't know before. And, and, and then they're also removing like good things that, yeah. uh, you know, it could be anything, anything remotely close to religion, anything remotely close to, to patriotism, those things are getting removed and pushed aside now. And so kids are seeing less and less of that and then getting more and more, uh, garbage really, uh, for the most part. And yeah, it, it's very frustrating. Uh, I think it's been going on a long time because a lot of the kids who, grew up that way are now adults and uh, they may not act like adults, but, but they're causing a lot of the problems. And so, so I couldn't agree more. I can, I think, uh, you know what kids need to get outside, play some basketball, talk some smack to their brother and, and get tackled every once in a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get out there, you know, scrape your knees, man. Just have some fun, dude. You know, like be a kid. And it's funny is because, you know, my two boys, um, me and my wife's two boys are, are special needs boys. And I tell my wife all the time, cause they're 18 and 15 now. And they still have the innocence of, Ooh, he said the S word and the S word is stupid, you know? And I love that. And I tell my wife, I said, dude, keep their innocence as long as we can. What, what are we rushing? Why do we rush as a society to make our children grow up? Why? Like what are, is there some race we're missing? What, what's the race I'm missing? I, I, I'm missing this race because I, I don't get it. You know, I mean, it's different because they're special needs kids. And, and I think they'll always kind of have that innocence, but 
but I tell her all the time. I said, dude, I'm, ha- I'm, I love it, man. If they have to live with us forever, I'm, I'm a happy man. You know, <laughs> cause the way society is now, I don't even know if I would want my kids to go out into society. Yeah. It's a, uh, man, it's a troubling time. And you know what? You guys are a great family. I love, I love your posts. I love the posts. Uh, you know, even that, that you, you've made with your kids, uh, it, it's just fabulous stuff. And you're very, I told Bill this, I think that you guys are each, all three brothers are very, like you said, the same, but different. Uh, John is just this calm, cool presence. Uh, Bill, just as soon as he steps in a room, he, you know, you know, he's there. And then you, you just have this, this fun personality, this like energy. Uh, (laughs) And then you blend all that together for the Lee boys. So, so yeah, I can, I think, um, I, th- I think we're in agreement there that yeah, kids got to get out and do more. Uh, and in your situation with your kids, I mean, I think that's great. You're, you're blessed. You'd be blessed to to have them, uh, you know, stay with you uh, forever, like you're saying. And oh, just all around good stuff. L- let me ask you a quick question about uh, the whole COVID lockdown thing. And, and there's been a lot of changes for everyone the past few months. Um, what what changes? So you said your, your kids are special needs. How has it been like schooling? Has schooling been different for everybody? Um, Has it affected your wife very much with everyone's kind of been had these adjustments made during the COVID lockdown? I mean, what's it kind of been like for you guys? Well, for us, honestly, it wasn't too much of a change because we were already homeschooling. We've been homeschooling for the last three and a half years, four years. So my wife was we were already like, all right, let's rock and roll. But I mean, this is what we do. It's nothing different for us. We just couldn't go out and do some of the physical outings that we would do because we, for our boys, we like to go out and we like to try to teach them life lessons, basically. Um, so, you know, how to go to a store and purchase things. Okay, how much money do you have? Do you have enough for this type? So those types of things, um, life skills types of issues, we couldn't really go out and do. But as far as the curriculum and stuff, nothing changed for us. I was still working. Mama was still at home with the kids doing her thing. Um, the only thing that really changed for us was just, I think stress levels for, for my wife, you know, it was obviously difficult. Um, and our boys, like, uh, our oldest Jonah, he had a really hard time. They didn't, they didn't want to wear the mask because they have like sensory issues and stuff. They just didn't like wearing the mask. They, they've kind of gotten used to him a little bit now. So that was a, that was difficult. And so literally for the first three weeks, they never left the house. I mean, they just never left the house. I went out, I would go to the grocery store, I would get everything we needed. So we didn't have to deal with them getting frustrated with having to put the masks on. So, but not too much change for us um, as, as far as the COVID stuff goes. Oh, that's good. Uh, I mean, that that's one thing I've thought about through all this is, is kids and the fact that you know, a lot of all kids, you know, got sent home and all the homeschooling. And now a lot of the you, you guys are fortunate to, that your wife was doing the homeschooling already. But, you know, a lot of other kids and parents, uh, they had to now do this homeschooling and this distance learning. And a lot of people I've talked to, there's been some real challenges with that. Uh, <laughs> you know, one thing Bill said, he said, you know, as far as discipline goes these days, you know, if you messed up at school or, or on your team or something, you know, you'd go home. And and then you'd get disciplined there also. Uh, well, now, because of just the way things are, we touched on it a little bit that, you know, now when a, a teacher disciplines a kid or something at school, Bill said that then the parents go down there and they lecture the teacher. And it's like things are flipped around. I mean, I know I, I was in fear of that as a kid, like getting disciplined, uh, not messing up because I didn't want to. <laughs> 
I didn't want to be disciplined twice, whatever it may be. So, again, I think those are more factors that are going on in society where, hey, you're not going to discipline my kid or, or, or stuff like that. That that stuff's all just so backwards and crazy. But, yeah, for the people who, like, I just think about the first year that we decided to homeschool. That was a huge adjustment. And mm-hmm. we had time to prepare for it. So all these people that basically said, uh, your kids can't come to school anymore. We need you to teach them. And it literally just within one day, and it was like mm-hmm. – I can't even imagine the difficulties and the learning curve that took, you know, cause we had time to prep. We, we prepped it and, you know, but man, oh man, it was just, yeah, that, that must've been just absolutely bonkers for some people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and uh, you know, can kind of just touching on care youth league and real Hondo prep now with, with it being in literally in your backyard. I mean, it was, I don't want to say it's all you ever knew, but I mean, that was your life, right? Growing up and just, oh, yeah. you were right in it. I mean, right away until, until high school when you graduated. So, I mean, what could you just tell me on growing, being someone who literally grew up in Cary Youth League and then in Rio Hondo Prep? I mean, your commute was never very long. <laughs> you know, I always tease those Western guys, especially the ones living in that cul-de-sac and everything. But I mean, just get you your general thoughts on growing up Cary Youth League and, and going into Rio Hondo Prep. Yeah, I mean, it, it was my life. That's pretty much all I knew growing up. Um, from the age of three and a half, uh, my dad threw me out in a football field. And um, I don't know how would they let my three and a half year old self get out there. I was tiny. There's pictures. It looks hilarious. Cleats don't fit. The helmet doesn't fit. But I was out there playing because I wanted to because my brothers were playing and I wanted to play too. But yeah, ever since I was three and a half years old, you know, growing up, that's pretty much everything that I knew. And... Um, for me personally, it was, it was an amazing experience, you know, um, being able to, you know, walk out my backyard, go out, play sports, hang out with my friends, be with my friends all day long. Like if they were waiting for their parents to pick them up or they're waiting for the bus after practice, like literally it didn't matter. I could sit out there and hang out with them all day. Cause I just had to walk back up the hill and go up the back gate and I was back in my house, you know? <laughs> So for me, it was fantastic. And I really, it's the funny thing is I probably spent more time down at Cary League than I even spent at my own home, which was just right there because I was just having so much fun. I had some of the greatest friends that I even still have today that I've made through Cary Thing that I've made through Rio Hano Prep. Um, and it's so cool to be able to connect with them still. But for me, Cary Youth League was, was in Rio Hano Prep. I mean, I can't. I can't even imagine, and and I know a lot of people don't agree with this, but I, it, I just can't imagine a better life. You know, the things that we were able to experience, not only in Cary League, but as you start getting older and go through Rihanna Prep. I mean, the summer trips that we we think about this, Matt. We would cross, we would go across the entire United States in a bus, put on plays, stay in campgrounds, tour things that people only wished to tour, and we got to do that every other year, like. Like, who gets to do that? When I tell these stories to people now that I work with, they're like, wait a minute, you've been to all 50 states? I'm like, yeah, I've been to all 50 states. Been to Canada, Alaska, Hawaii, Mexico. Like, they're like, how? How does this even happen? You know, so the, some of those experiences that we got to do were just just mind-boggling if, if you sit back and think about it. Because I've heard some negative people, oh, yeah, there was this, and you couldn't do this, you couldn't do that. Well, you couldn't do those things for a certain reason, okay? And the people who complained about those things were literally the people in my mind who just wanted to be knuckleheads, you know, like who just, you know, trust me, 
I was not the most religious, spiritual kid. I was all about sports and having fun, dude. That's all I was about. When I got into high school, it was about getting C's just so I could pass, so I could play in the games. You know, um, it wasn't about education for me. It wasn't about religion for me because I didn't think, I, you know, I really didn't. That really wasn't a big thing in my life until a little bit later, until I started figuring things out and stuff. But, I, gosh, man, what an experience. I just loved it. I just absolutely loved it. The sports, too. I mean, as being a sports freak, I mean, how can you not love carry thinking around and prep? That's pretty much the basis of everything that's there. So I love that because of that, too. Well, Ken, yeah, there's a lot to be said for Real Hondo Prep. There's so many opportunities. You do so many things. I'm right there with you, having to explain all this to so many people. And you always have to repeat yourself because they don't quite understand, uh, you know, the whole, wait, you were in a bus, you did plays. You did, yeah, we did all those things. And just the opportunities you get at Rio, I think your high school experience there is is unlike any uh, out there for sure. And, and I'm right there with you with, uh, you know, sports. I was, I was all into sports. I just wanted to get by with classes and, and just stay eligible uh, and, and worry about my opponents and everything. I do have one story about you playing football, Ken. Um, it was actually the first Real Hondo Prep game I ever attended. It was against Pasadena Poly in the early 90s. I was like second grade, I think, and uh, we had this, this field goal kicking contest at halftime. But if you nice. remember that, yeah, if you remember that game, uh, it was an absolute downpour, pouring rain at Care Field. You guys are playing Pasadena Poly. And, uh, man, I, I remember it vividly as a kid. And, and, and I made my couple of field goals at halftime in the pouring rain. Uh, just a fun experience for me as a kid. But do you remember that game? A hundred percent, man. That game almost got canceled. So uh-huh. while you guys were at halftime, I don't know if it was after you guys must have been doing your – because I, I don't remember. Obviously, I was in the locker room. But – I remember just hearing this huge thunder, like huge thunder, shook the entire room. And I remember, uh, I don't know who went out to speak to the referees and the coaches, and they were determining whether or not we were going to continue the game. They obviously didn't want anybody getting electrocuted out in the field. Um, and But, yeah, that game was one of my – still one of my funnest games. I, I love that game. I loved – playing in the rain it was so much fun because everything turned to mud and you're you know sliding around it just it was a, <laughs> it was a blast especially because i played fullback and linebacker so it was like you know gritty you know let's get in there i wasn't all about speed or anything so it didn't slow me down at all I, you know so i i loved that was a fun game a really really fun game just an oh man i remember as a kid i fell in love with with football and rain at that moment i think and uh yeah it leveled the playing field right for us non non speedsters can you know it uh, made those yeah. Those fast guys slower. That's right. That's right. I have, I still have some really cool pictures from that game, by the way. I'll have to uh, – maybe when we meet up someday, I'll have to try to find those and show those to you because there's mud all over the place. There's, you know, our jerseys are just – yeah, I remember that game. That was a great game. Fantastic stuff, Ken. And, uh, you know, uh, you never had the opportunity to play with your older brothers. I can't imagine what that experience would have been like. Uh, you were, I think, a, what, a freshman or a sophomore or something – uh, when they were, uh, you know, upperclassmen. So that that must have been a little frustrating that you guys never got to ever play together for, uh, on the varsity level anyway. Yeah, it was. Um, so my freshman year, there was no way I was going to be moving up to varsity. I was freshman year, you weigh in. Dude, I was like 5'1", 155. Then uh, between that year and the one year later when I weighed in for my sophomore year, I was one – I'm sorry, I was five foot seven. 155. I literally grew six inches in one year. And 
from then on is where my career just kind of just took off. Um, and I thought for sure sophomore year at the end of the football season, I was going to move up for the playoffs because they said, Hey, you can try out. We're going to move some guys up for the playoffs. And I went out there and I, dude, I did, I know I did well. My brothers were like, dude, you, you're probably coming up. And I was all excited because I wanted to play in the playoffs with them. And uh, it, yeah. And I didn't get selected for whatever reason, which is partly was probably because my brothers, because they were bitter heart bears and getting technicals and getting flags for, you know, all kinds of stuff. So Mr. Johnson was probably like, dude, we're not letting another Lee boy on this team. Are you kidding me? Dude. So. We got enough, we got enough Lee problems up here. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. So, um, cause once I got up there, I was doing the same knucklehead stuff and I was getting yelled at by Mr. Johnson too. So, Oh man. Well, well you played for two, two legends at Rio Hondo and, and Mr. Johnson, Randall Johnson and, and Mr. Lunny, Gary Lunny, that is. And, and they both have, have passed recently too. I mean, what are some of your memories? I guess we're, we're focusing kind of just now on, on football, but I mean, what are some of your memories from those two guys, uh, being football coaches? Mr. Johnson I, and I were never really close. I would say he was just my coach. Um, and, uh, the one, the one thing I loved about Mr. Johnson though, was he had, he had a lot of faith in me and what my abilities were. And he knew what my abilities were. And I think he tried his very best to put me in a position that I would be successful at. My senior year was really rough to do that though, because, you know, we only had uh, four seniors, one junior, and the rest were all sophomores on our football team. So it, it was really hard for him to say, Ken, I know you're the best fullback that we could have out here, but dude, I, I can't put these guys who weigh 125 pounds on the offensive line. It was just, it, I know it was difficult for him. So I can understand that. And I respect that. Now, Mr. Lunny though, on the other hand, uh, he was just, he was a blast to play for. He was just so into football, his life. I mean, he had so many things going on in his life. He was, you know, art music teacher. And not only was he a great football coach, he was a life coach. You know, and um, he was just so positive, but at the same time, it could be tough. Um, and he wanted you to be tough. That's the thing. Like he had that like old school mentality of, you know, man, if I want you bleeding by the end of this game, you know, get some. You didn't hit him hard enough. You, you know, how come your how come nose was not coming out of your nose? If you hit him harder, it's not would have come out of your nose. You know, he's that tough guy, you know. Um, but he would be the same guy that would give you a hug later, you know, just like he's just he was a great man. He was. Mr. Lenny was awesome. I, I love pictures of him kind of, look, you know, that look he'd have on the sideline when he'd drop a defensive play. And, and you look at him and and you could see the pictures. He's He's got most coaches have kind of a calm like, OK, what's going to happen? Look, Mr. Lenny had this like his eyes lit up before a play like, OK, yeah. let's see what happens here. He was just a uh, man, a student of the game and, and a, a very – he was he motivated guys and really knew how to make his players students of the game too. So, yes, I uh, those those men are legends and uh, man, RHP football was was in great hands with both of them. It's in great hands now with you know a good friend Mark Carson. Sure. But uh, RHP football, man, it's it's very special. I, I do have a baseball story about you, Ken. Uh, again, we never really talked much. I kind of always listened to what guys were talking about when they were sharing war stories and stuff. And I remember you told the story one time about a baseball game against Chadwick. I think it was a double header. I think something along the lines of your, your first game went like 14 innings and then the next game went seven innings. So you guys played 21 innings in one day, technically three games length. Uh, but you also talked about, I think, being a catcher and this guy hit a baseball probably the furthest you've ever seen. And I just remember your theatric explaining all that were just hilarious. You, you remember all that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I do. Man, that – 
that day was hilarious. I mean, for, first off, I don't know how how we had enough pitchers to get through that many innings. Um, <laughs> but I guess nobody was throwing, you know, super heaters or anything. It wasn't like people's arms were falling off back then. Um, but, yeah, I here's the thing. You know, my junior year um, and senior year of baseball, like I was always – I always played baseball, obviously, my whole life. But my focus was football and basketball. Well, my junior year and senior year, I really just started to develop as a baseball player, and I got really pretty good um, in, in my mind, anyway. Um, so, but I, you know, I was like also AF catcher both years, and and so I'm thinking, yeah, I'm pretty good, you know. My my uh, junior year, I batted like 407, you know. I'm let, and then my senior year when I was when I switched to left hand, I was batting like you know, 585 left-handed. Like, I thought I was the man, you know? I'm like, dude, we're we're doing good here. Well, this game, (laughs) let me tell you, I'm sitting there playing catcher, and this guy, I I think his nickname was Haas. I can't remember. I think it was Haas. There was two guys on Chadwick that were just beasts. It was either Haas or the other guy. I think it was Haas. So he walks up to the plate, and, you know, I'm giving, you know, call signs to whoever's pitching. I can't remember who's pitching. This guy hit the ball so hard. I mean, talk about it was like Jose Canseco walking out on our field and just hitting a line drive, you know, 700 yards. It was just an arrow and it just kept rising and rising and rising and rising. It went over our house, over the drains house, out into the street somewhere out there. And I would just, I remember him running the bases. I didn't even move as the catcher. I never even moved because I just, I couldn't believe it. I just, I said, this is, that's the hardest ball hit in my entire life. I, it was shocking. Like, yeah. And I remember I, after the game, I had to go say something to him. And I went and I was just like, hey, man. I'm like, dude, I don't know how you did that. I've never seen. And he had the same thing. He was like, dude, I don't know where that came from. It was like. It was like a fluke for him too. It was so funny because the guy was really cool. Uh, we were kind of, you know, we were kind of cool because he actually played catcher too. So we kind of had this little kind of thing going on, which is kind of cool. But man, holy smokes! What a shot! What a yeah, shot. yeah. There's a there's a few memories you have that you share with people, and uh, sometimes you paint a picture for them, and it's like wow, and and it takes you back to your days as well, or you look forward even to to competing and, and coming up with stories like that. Uh, you know, another story, I, well, it's not really a story, but it's kind of when I really started going to RHP football games a lot more, kind of in the late 90s when they were having some really good runs there. You know, uh, Ken, I, I was a big, uh, later in life, a big pep band guy. And I can honestly remember you were you were the tuba player in the pep band, man. You were lugging right, that thing around. Yeah, you were all proud of the RHP pep band. Dude, why not, man? It was a lot of fun taking that thing around. Is You know, I – Cause I played, you know, you know, real on a prep, you learn an instrument. I started playing trumpet when I was little. So I played trumpet pretty much my whole life. And then they needed somebody to play the sousaphone, the tuba. I'm like, oh, I'm sure I could do it. And so I just grabbed it. Here's the thing, Matt, and this is going to crack you up. Okay. I never learned the proper notes for the tuba or the sousaphone. I literally learned every single song by sound. I just... <laughs> Okay, that sounds like the right note. Oh yeah, that sounds like the right note. I literally just made it all up. I'm not, and I'm not kidding. A hundred percent made up. So, uh, but I could literally pick a tune out. I would play a song. I play Rocky. I could play all kinds of different stuff um, on that thing, and just I just picked out the right sounds. It you know, and just went with it.
Oh man, I, I was one of the things I fell in love with uh, with music at the time, and I later played trumpet too, and loved uh, loved leading the band and everything uh, later on with after I graduated, and and I thought that was a cool thing I thought Rio did too is all you guys were in college really the majority of the the band members the and, and you guys were still coming back and playing for the for the team, and I just remember it really lit up. Uh, livened up that whole atmosphere of course yeah. as, as any band could do but i remember big big ken lee on that with the big tuba there and, and that doesn't surprise me at all ken that's that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah it was it was fun it was fun it was a good time man <laughs> yeah i remember you i i for sure remember matt Hersma out there up on the uh up on the trumpet leading the band so, yeah you did a Just, great job oh thanks man appreciate it. just following yeah, you your lead you mr todd carson you know yeah oh man we loved it we loved doing it it was a way to uh, be a part of the you know the program and to try to establish a, a pretty good atmosphere and just a lot of fun get the kids involved as well so many great things and great memories from rio especially football program just a, a special place well ken tell me about after high school like what what was it like uh you know your college years your young adult years you already touched on that that uh, you you know you got into law enforcement so what was kind of the path there how did how did you kind of uh, you, you you didn't think you would eventually get into that that route, but but somehow you know uh, you know God directs the paths in, in different ways. Tell me about life after high school and, and how you got into law enforcement. So after high school, I stuck around for a little while. I was you know coaching and which because I, I love sports and I always thought I was just going to be you know like a teacher and, and a coach and I really didn't know what I wanted to do to be honest with you because all I cared about was playing sports when I was in high school, and um, I had no direction at all. Um, I was running around surfing all the time and, uh, ended up leaving, started doing some work for some friends, doing different things, odd jobs here and there. Um, and then, um, a friend who obviously who graduated with me, Ruby Maldonado, she was working at a private investigation firm. Um, she ended up helping me get a job there. I became a private investigator for about four and a half years and um, kind of got burned out a little bit. You know, when you're sitting in your car surveilling somebody in a 140 degree car, it's, it kind of gets old after a while. Uh, but I have some great stories on that. We'll have to talk about that another time because um, <laughs> those are some fun stories. But anyway, uh, and my wife-to-be, I met her. We were dating, got engaged. And her father was a deputy sheriff for San Bernardino County. And um, I never even thought of law enforcement as a career choice. I did never thought of it. Then I started kind of asking questions of what he did and this, that, and the other. How does it all work and this? I'm like, oh, yeah, that seems kind of cool. And then our buddy um, Rod Bazuzzi got into law enforcement. Some other friends got into law enforcement. I started kind of just asking around, getting more and more information. Um, and by that time, I kind of started maturing more as a man starting to figure out what was most important for me as a not only as a man but as a husband and, and, a, and a father and I just I applied and boom here we are today you know we're uh, what am I gosh let's see almost 15 years later you know here we are it's been completely a, a blessing that I had no idea I even was going to have you know it was just it's been great. I've had some wonderful experiences, been able to help so many different people. Um, I've had, I've had incredible opportunities in law enforcement, you know, got to work, uh, gang stuff out in San Bernardino County for a little while. I uh, worked the jails, came over to, uh, where I'm at now working here as a school resource officer, now detective. And it's just, it's been a great career for me. Um, you know, I know it's hard right now, but, uh, for me personally, it's, it's, it's just been it's been amazing and a true blessing for sure. 
Well, I got to say, you know, we appreciate uh, your service and and all your your brethren, your brothers and sisters out there. Uh, you know, it's it is a tough time right now, and, and I just, you know, I, I think. Uh, you are a classic example of why law enforcement people are special. You're, you're a good person. A really uh, just, just among the best people out there with your outlook on things. You're very, you, you want to help people. I know that uh, hands down. And, and, you know, you talked about your brothers earlier, or, you know, John and, and Bill and the Marines and John running a trucking company, you uh, doing great things in law enforcement. I just want to say, uh, John, we appreciate, or excuse me, not John. I already did John. I already did Bill. It's it's Ken time. Uh, Ken, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I want to say, uh, Ken, uh, I I really appreciate uh, what you guys do, and um, you know, my, nothing but uh, my my thoughts and prayers for for everyone wearing a badge out there these days because uh, it, it is a troubling time. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that and. I mean, we know, here's the thing, Matt, we know that most people do support us and we, we appreciate that. And, um, you know, and so thank you for that. And for all the people who ever, you know, say that to me, uh, cause I get it all the time, you know, from friends and family, you know, Hey, we appreciate you. I don't do it for appreciation. I, I really don't. I do it because this is what I feel God has called me to do. And I'm going to come out here. I'm going to do my best. So I, I appreciate it though. Thank you. Oh, for sure. And, and that, that, that sentence alone speaks volumes that you guys are just, uh, you know, you're very selfless. And uh, once again, thank you. Uh, well, well, John, uh, that's twice, man. That's twice I've called What's you, John. What's going on right now, Matt? Where I'm sorry. It's an, audio, it's an audio issue here. No. Oh, my goodness. He's laughing, I bet, when, when he hears this. Ken, I got it written in big, bold letters here. Can't see. I, I'm rattled, man. Woo. Okay. Just Last think, time. Matt, just, this, is, this is what you got to do. Just think the best Lee. Ken. <laughs> Ken. So whenever you just, okay, who's the best? Lead? Oh, Ken, Ken, Ken. Okay. Yeah. We're talking to Ken. There you go. <laughs> Ken Lee. Well, well Ken, uh, outside of uh, your, 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 your current occupation and all the other things you, you do or have done with Rio and, and just all the different activities, I would say something you've really, uh, you've really dove into here is, is being a podcaster. And, and you and I have, have chatted a little bit about our various podcasts. And uh, you know what? You started up a podcast, and, and you're kind of switching some directions and everything, how it's going. But but what what was your motivation for your podcast, and kind of what what's the overview of it? So the podcast is kind of a spin off of my YouTube channel. So I have a YouTube channel called Dad's Den. And I've been doing this for about just a little over a year, year and a few months. So Dad's Den YouTube channel is really what I'm doing is I'm learning about the Indian culture, okay? Uh, specifically South India, South Indian culture. I react to movies. I react to their music, their cultural topics, food, uh, pretty much anything there. And I'm making these connections, amazing connections with people from South India. And, um, and, and you're probably going to ask, how did this all get started? So, um, I had a friend, I have been doing YouTube for, you know, six years now with my family. We have JCTV, our family channel. So I've been doing YouTube for a long time. Well, I had another friend who, uh, I met through YouTube who was doing family vlogs as well. And then he started doing some reactions to Indian content and he thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and he's like, dude, you should check it out. And I'm like, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know. Um, so he sent me a couple links and then also one of my best friends growing up was Abhijit Fadness. I know many people who are listening to this podcast are going to know who that is. Um, he was only there for, I think he left in maybe sixth or seventh grade. Can't remember what grade he left in, but anyway, 
So I knew about the Indian culture a little bit from him. So um, I decided, you know, I'm going to try this out. I watched one video and honestly, I thought it was so awesome. I loved it because a lot of their movies are like musicals. And I grew up with musicals. My mom and dad, that's what like all the movies we watched, you know, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, all these different movies that were musicals. And so for me, I'm like, dude, this is awesome, dude. They got music in it. It was really fun. I did a reaction to it. It went over super well. The people are like, man, you're so genuine. You don't seem because a lot of these guys that do these reaction videos are very fake and they're just they're more entertainers. Um, for me, when I started, I'm like, I'm just going to be myself. And if people like me, they like me. If they don't, they don't. Oh, you know, what else am I going to do? Cause I don't want to sit here and try to fake anything. That's not fun. So it went over well and 200,000 subscribers later, here we are. So, um, I've got currently 206,000 subscribers on my dad's den YouTube channel in about a year and a few months now, which leads me into the podcast. So because over this last, you know, 14 months or so, I've actually gotten some really, really neat connections with some big artists over there, movie stars to top musicians, top rappers, top people from South India. And if you know anything about any of their movie, they are diehard fans. I mean, diehard fans. They love them so much, man. And what's crazy is I had no idea that all of these people would look at me and be like, this guy is a great guy who just is, he's enjoying what we put out there, our culture. So the podcast is literally going to be me interviewing some of these top stars from their movie industries and their top musicians, their top influencers in social media. I just uh, interviewed my very uh, first podcast interview was with a guy, his name is Irfan, uh, Mohammed Irfan, and he's going to pass the million subscriber mark here probably within the month. And he's a food vlogger from India. That's what he does. He's a food vlogger, but he's huge. He's fit and they love him. And it's just, it's so cool. I've made some amazing friendships. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, the friendships that I made from people over there now, and now there's just this connection that is just, it's almost like this train that ain't going to stop. You know, it's just, it's rolling. You jump on if you want to get on, but it ain't, it ain't stopping. And it's just, it's becoming a whole lot of fun. Um, so the podcast is going to be a lot of that. There's also going to be, cause I have a, a dad's in tech review channel. So there's also going to be some tech stuff on there. Um, it'll be like tech Tuesdays will be on Tuesdays. We'll do tech Tuesdays on the podcast. We'll be talking about, you know, all kinds of different stuff. Um, so you'll have that as well, but that's kind of where the podcast is going and, and the development of it and the, the whole genesis of the whole thing. That's great stuff. I, I, I'm sure I'll have plenty more questions to ask you as, as I kind of move forward with this podcast as well. Uh, what, uh, how often are you doing it? Is, is it a weekly thing? Is it uh, every couple days? What, what's kind of the, the schedule you guys currently have with, with getting episodes out? So the podcast is going to be two a week. We're going to have tech Tuesdays and then there'll be a uh, interview. Um, probably that'll get put out on Fridays. So you'll have, of two podcasts a week right now um, because we're still doing full-time the dad's in YouTube channel. There's a video every single day. So, um, and then the cool thing about it is there's going to be some things that you're going to hear on the podcast that you're not going to be able to see on the YouTube channel and vice versa. So, you know, people are going to have to, you know, really pay attention to what's going on. If they want to hear a certain guest, some podcasts are going to be actual video of a podcast. Um, like the first one I did is going to be a video podcast. So you're going to be able to see it on YouTube, but you're also going to be able to listen to it on the podcast as well. So 
um, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. It's going to be really fun. Oh man, I, I think you're you're really motivated, and, and yeah, there's a lot of energy into this. And I've seen a few episodes of different things, and, and yeah, it's it's great stuff. And you already mentioned a few, but but can you for one more time just lay it all out for us? Uh, give us the names of the channels, uh, maybe your Twitter account we can follow, and just any any place that people can tune in uh, for all of these various items if, if they'd like to uh, check it out. Yeah, of course. Any social media, so Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, if you just search The Real Dad's Den, The Real Dad's Den, uh, you'll find me. Um, and then also on YouTube, Dad's Den, and then Dad's Den Tech Review. I will be the first to pop up there. Um, so that's really easy to find. Just search Dad's Den. You'll be able to find it. And then uh, for the podcast, we're on pretty much any streaming podcast, wherever you're going to find it, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, Google Play, there. It's on all of those platforms. If you just search "Dad's Den Podcast," you'll find me there as well. Yeah, and if you guys have not seen Ken, have have not seen his face. First off, he, he he's got this uh, great mustache, and, and what I saw yesterday, Ken, you know what came to mind? I, I you know I got to jab you a little bit here. When you had your headphones on and, and looking at your mustache, it looks like you got pod, a podcast. Uh, headphones <laughs> around around your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, you know, we, it, it, the stash is going to be there no matter what. It's just part of me now. It's never going to go away. And um, even mama knows that, dude. The stash is here forever. Sorry, mama. I love you. <laughs> oh, it was great. You were naked a goofy face or something and yeah, headphones were on. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, okay, looks like he's wearing headphones on on his face there. But no, it's a great look. Uh, you wear it well, my friend. I don't think any uh, many people could pull off that uh, that stash for sure. Well, we look forward to a lot more uh, podcast uh, episodes, uh, just different various topics and everything. It sounds like you're really, I mean, this is really snowballed into a pretty big, um, pretty big thing you're doing there, Ken, with the the podcast and everything. Yeah, it's it's growing like crazy. So the channel itself, we're getting about a thousand new subscribers every day. And, um, it's, it's really taken off. I've got some of the biggest stars over there that are lining up to, to get on the podcast. I mean, I have two, two big movie stars, like legit movie stars from over there, uh, their industry over there that are going to come on for an interview. And yeah, so things are really starting to snowball in a, in a fantastic direction. And, um, I just want to give a quick shout out to my buddy, Darren, who's, he lives out in Georgia, but he's actually, um, my engineer for the podcast. He's going to be putting them all together, you know, working on all the podcast stuff. He's my partner for the podcast and then, and then the tech review channel. He's my partner on that stuff. So, um, just want to give a shout out to Darren, my boy out there in Georgia. Thank you, Darren. So, anyway. Okay. Oh, good stuff. Uh, well, <laughs> I, you know, I, I asked you a lot of questions, uh, tech technical questions, because I'm just I'm so new to it. Uh, you know, I, I don't want everyone to ask. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, I think I asked some stupid questions or I'm sorry, S word, S word questions. Dude, uh, on, my kids are going to listen to this. My bad, my bad. S word questions that, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, you're very patient with me. So I appreciate that. Of course, man. Of course. I love it, man. I, the funny thing is all this stuff I kind of just learned on my own as over the last six, seven years of doing, you know, YouTube stuff and videos. And so by no means am I the super expert, but um, I am happy to give whatever knowledge I do have. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I definitely appreciate it. Experience uh, matters in, in a lot of industries. Well, one final thing, Ken, uh, you know, I know you're a big sports fan. Uh, 
we were as kids, we play sports, we love sports, we're passionate about it. We can't play it as adults really as, as much. Our, our careers always, uh, you know, end at some point. But are, are you still a pretty big sports fan these days, either professional or college? I, I, was, I was pretty upset at you. One of the first videos I saw, if I remember correctly, I thought I saw a San Francisco 49er hat in the background. Uh, that, that, that didn't sit well with me. But, All day, you know. every day, dude. All day, oh, every day. man. I didn't know you lived in the Bay Area at some point. It was uh, that that uh, got past me. Well, who are you a fan of then? <laughs> uh, of, of nobody? Because uh, we're we're not the. Uh, there was no L.A. Rams. That they left. The Raiders left. Everybody left. So no, I I grew up yes. And here's here's how I became a 49er fan. This is kind of a fun story. So, <laughs> yes, I've been a 49er fan ever since I was a little kid. So when I was probably about five. Oh no 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 not five. Probably about seven years old. So my older brother John was uh in care youth league and he hit the junior high level where you become like a college or you become a professional team you know you're like the <laughs> whatever so him and our neighbors they were the 49ers they were on the 49er teams they had 49er helmets and all this stuff so i remember going over there and i wanted to play with my older brothers and the neighbors terry and jimmy Riker. i'm like hey guys can i come and play they're like you know like typical big brothers they're like no you can't play with us unless and this is the thing unless you get 49er socks i don't know why that was the deal but I couldn't come because they probably figured there's no way he's going to get these socks. He can't get 49 socks. So that's what they came up with. So my mom took me and back in the 90s, they had these striped socks that had multicolors on them. And I found ones that were gold and red 49er color. I rolled back in and a couple weeks later, dude, I was like, let's go play. dude. And because John was on the 49ers, that's how I became a 49er fan. So I started watching 49ers on, on TV this is back when Joe Montana just got there. So it was Joe Montana, Roger Craig, John Taylor, Jerry Rice, um, Jesse Sapulo. I mean, I could give you the whole entire team's roster if you wanted me to. Um, Ronnie Lott, you know, all these guys, Tom Rathman. And that's how I became a 49er fan. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's really how it happened. And then I'm a huge, huge Lakers fan, diehard Lakers fan too. So those are kind of like the two <laughs> teams that I'm diehards for. I think those were the hats that I saw in the background. And then, ah, yeah, I hate giving – all right, I guess that's an okay story. I'll, I'll allow it. I guess. That's like a C-plus type of type of uh, uh, 49er fan story. But, hey, I, okay. I, I can't – I can't give passing great. There's a 49ers. I'm sorry, Ken, if you haven't realized I, I despise the 49ers, but Wait, that's you, what are you a Rams fan? I'm guessing. Uh, yes. I'm a Los Angeles Rams fan. <laughs> that's embarrassing. <laughs> I, I feel bad for you. You guys couldn't even come up with your own logo. You had to steal one from a junior college. Like, oh, don't get me started fun. on that. We're, we're yes. in agreement on that. We're yeah, in agreement. That's embarrassing. The one thing I can say about teams like the 49ers and the Cowboys and the Raiders is they, they have iconic uniform. They don't change them. You keep your logos. Enjoy your tradition. You're going to take a – remove the – yeah. Don't get me started on the Rams uniforms and changing the logo. The first ever logo to go on a football helmet of any kind. Yeah. Uh, I know. I know, Ken. And that's the sad thing. You know, the Rams logo was a staple. That was something my dad saw when he was a kid. Why would mm -hmm. they even change it? It doesn't make it was so cool. It was so unique, different than any other helmet in the entire NFL, other than the Bengals. The Bengals used to have super those cool helmets. Like those are two really cool helmets, you know? Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Oh, the guys, it's a new age. Gotta be hip and cool and all this stuff. You were never drawn even okay, you're a big Atlantic pirate as a kid. You were never drawn to the Rams colors at least? Come on. No, not at all. 
<laughs> just huge diehard 49ers fan. I mean, Ugh. to the point where I remember we went up to San Francisco because my grandparents lived up there. So, yes, I did spend time up in the Bay Area, Matt, okay. Okay. with your sarcasm. There's a there's uh, a connection. I can, I can support a connection. There's a connection. Okay. So we would go to the street fairs up in San Francisco. And I remember buying so much 49er gear that I just loaded up for the years. I had jackets, blankets, um, you know, those big head bobblehead shirts. I had pins for my hats. I had, I mean, literally every Christmas gift I got for about six years was nothing but 49er stuff. So yeah, big diehard 49er fan. Yeah. You're, you're one I can tolerate, I guess. I, I seriously though, I'm all about, I, if, if my 49ers aren't playing well, I will support pretty much any LA team as it, when it comes down to it. If we're if we're getting down at nit and gritty and the 49ers aren't playing, but if the 49ers are playing, is I mean that's rivalry time. 49ers Rams, it's oh yeah, yeah we're we're gonna hurt somebody at that point. So <laughs> just kidding. No, hey, that's the last two uh, two Super Bowl losses were, you know, the Rams and the Niners, and uh, I mean, you no, know, both team. I mean, both fan bases were just happy to be there, and and I, yeah. I know it was a tough loss for Niner fans this last this last season. Uh, and the Rams, we couldn't. We, I almost said we. That's one of my cardinal sins. I don't say we. Uh, the Rams couldn't even get in the end zone uh, in their Super Bowl. So, I think both teams are going to be back. I think they're both uh, got a bright future. Um, I can honestly say that. As much as I don't like the Niners, uh, they are they're incredible team built built around defense. And, and Kyle, you can't say enough about Kyle Shanahan. I agree with you on one of those points that uh, 49ers have a great team, but they both are going to come back this year. I don't see that at all. <laughs> Todd Gurley way past his prime already. I mean, he's been playing for, a, he's already past his prime. The guy can't even, you know, run 10 yards without falling down anymore. Um, yeah, well, he's a Falcon a, now. You, you're lucky. You're lucky. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I do. I do agree though. I, the Rams though, I, I will tell you this, that not last year, but the year before they were really fun to watch. Really mm-hmm. fun to watch. One of my favorite years of watching football ever. And again, I was a, I'm a, I'm a very big LA, like, you know, be root for who, where you're from or, or have a connection one way or another, you know? Yes. Uh, so when they, I was a kid, when they left and I was such a, a young kid, I didn't understand it. They're in another state. I wasn't going to root for some other team, but uh, they came home. And so to me, that was, that was good enough. And then t- when they got successful for a little bit, that was just a blast. So uh, I love football. I hope we see football, Ken. I mean, I don't know if we will. Um, I'm hopeful that we will. I think we have a better shot of seeing football than maybe some of these other sports here in the near future. Yeah, I sure hope so too. I really do. I just, uh, it's just such a, a way, such a good platform to make people forget that we're different. You know what I mean? It's just such a good platform to just go out there. doesn't matter race, creed, color. doesn't matter. You're just playing football. You're playing basketball. You're playing baseball. It doesn't matter. We're all fans. We're just loving it. You know, it's just such a good way to, and it's a good reminder of our community and, and our society of what, you know, what we could really be if we wanted to, to be honest. Oh, oh yeah. If sports unites us, and I think it's getting a little more divisive these days, unfortunately, yeah. but uh, you know, that that's a whole nother show <laughs> we could talk about, but yeah, I mean, you know, a guy's wearing a Rams hat or a guy's wearing a Niners Jersey. I mean, those are people you're like, Hey, yeah, you know, you just immediately, there's this like connection and you're, you're, you're a fan of something together, regardless of where you come from. So I, I, I agree with you. I think uh, we got to get sports back. We got to get a lot of things back. 
Um, and, and, you know, hopefully things get cleaned up here in the near future, just with everything going on around the country. Uh, there's, you know, it's a tough, tough time, but I have faith that, that things are going to work out. We're going to, we're going to move forward. Um, who, who knows what happens? I, I don't know, but, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, we'll get through it all. So, well, Ken, uh, any, anything else you'd like to say as we wrap it up here? I really appreciate you coming on here. It's just, it was just a blast that uh, we finally got to do it. We tried it one other time. Recording didn't work out. Um, just, just any thoughts in general, man. It's, it's been, it's been the pleasure having you here. No, I just appreciate you, you taking the time to let me come on the show. Um, I've been listening to the show. I've, I told you that before. I've been, I'm a fan of the show. It's really, really cool to be able to hear, um, just all the different points of views on everything. And, be able to kind of make these connections with people that I really didn't have huge connections with before, but it's just, it's kind of, it's neat to hear all the different stories. So keep what, keep up what you're doing. I, I'm loving it. Um, I don't know where the future goes for your podcast, whatever it goes, I'm sure you're going to do great at it. And, um, I, it just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see where your podcast goes because I think there's a lot of potential for it and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll connect later and we'll, <laughs> We'll get you squared away with some more sound stuff. I'm excited about it, man. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Thanks for having me. Oh, Ken, thank you for the kind words. Really appreciate it. Back at you. You got great stuff out there with your podcasts and your channels and everything. So uh, listeners, be sure to tune in to him and and uh, give him a few, uh, a few listens too. So Ken, I can't say it enough. An absolute pleasure. We will talk to you soon. All right, my man. See ya. Thanks again, Ken Lee. Really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to record with us. It was an absolute blast. I can honestly say all three interviews with the Lee brothers were an absolute treat. Lots of fun. Uh, John, Bill, and Ken, (laughs) every one of you, a very unique perspective and and a lot of fun listening to you talk about memories and also your your opinions on current events and kind of how things are going these days. very, very happy that, to have you on board the program. Thank you all for listening all the time. Really appreciate it. I was glad we got to sit down and get all three of you in. Ken, that was a blast. Good luck with uh, everything uh, with your podcast. Uh, again, thank you for your service in law enforcement. We all love and support you guys and uh, you know, the family. You have some great family time. Uh, you know, much continued success and uh, good luck to uh, everything the kids are doing. Uh, and just uh, thanks again for joining us. Just an absolute pleasure. Well, guys, let me tell you about tomorrow's guest on the program. We are going to be joined by Jason Ramos. Yes, another real Hondo Prep graduate, but he is an associate executive director for the YMCA in Los Angeles. He works out of Westchester, so he is going to tell us all about what it has been like working for the YMCA. He started uh, kind of during his college years and, and uh, you know, has been there ever since. He's been around a long time. We'll talk about the correlation really between the YMCA and maybe Care Youth League, some of the differences, some of the similarities. Jason, I will tell you, is probably pound for pound one of the best football players I've ever seen. And, I've, and I mean that. I mean, uh, that goes from my days as an official um, you know, having an opportunity to to officiate different levels of college and high school football, uh, I can honestly tell you he was uh, he was one <laughs> aggressive, uh, just 
just a football player, man. So we're going to talk about that for sure. He's a three-time CIF champion at Real Hondo Prep. Uh, was a part of a of the finals even when he was a freshman. Uh, they lost that game, so he could have gone four for four. Unfortunately, they lost the close one. But anyway, we're going to talk Real Hondo Prep football. You don't want to miss any of this tomorrow. I can promise you. Uh, we're going to touch on uh, all the great things he's doing with the YMCA. Uh, we're going to touch on a few different uh, items and topics, current events for sure. You don't want to miss uh, tomorrow's episode, so be sure to join us on Tuesday for the episode with Jason Ramos. Well, guys, I appreciate everyone for tuning in. We are approaching 4,000 plays. We should be over that mark here in the next day or so. Uh, it's been so much fun to catch up with so many different people. We're still continuing to set up interviews uh, day by day. We have a fun schedule this week. I'll fill you in each day about who will be on the program. Uh, you know, there, there's many ways that uh, you can reach out to us. If you're interested in coming on the program, uh, the best way is through email. Our email address is gethomesafepodcast at yahoo.com. We have a Facebook and Instagram page that is Get Home Safe Podcast, and our Twitter handle a little different. It's called Get Home Safe Pod. Those are the best ways to reach out to us if you'd like to. And of course, that's how you can follow us. All the information with the Get Home Safe Podcast. We put out uh, information of the upcoming guests. We put out some schedules, some random stuff as well. But follow those uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter uh, pages or handles, if you will. Uh, any way you follow us, we appreciate it. We operate through the Anchor app, as you're well aware of. Uh, Anchor really does make things simple for uh, even someone as non-tech savvy as me. Uh, it's a great opportunity for anyone who would like to start a podcast. Anchor is the way to go. But however you listen to us, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to us, we appreciate your listenership. We appreciate your time. Uh, again, we are uh, moving right along. We're going to keep putting shows out. You guys keep listening. We're going to keep putting shows out. We're, just uh, we really enjoy sitting down with friends, some colleagues, some people maybe we don't know or people we just cross paths with briefly over over this time in, in uh, life. And, you know, it's just a lot of fun. Get some various uh, perspectives on things, especially with all the craziness going around this uh, world today. Uh, whether it be COVID or some of the other uh, crazy stuff, we just, you know, like, uh, get home safe again has new meaning. It, it didn't start out that way. It started off as just kind of a play on words uh, with, uh, related to baseball and rideshare driving. But with COVID now and then all the, uh, you know, the protests, everything going on, you know, everybody stay safe out there. Just get home safe. We, we, uh, we care about everyone. We want everyone to come home at the end of the day and, you know, to our law enforcement officers out there. A, a huge thank you. Cannot say it enough. Uh, there's a lot of scrutiny these days, but you know what? We, we love you. Uh, I hope you guys know that, that, that you have more support than you do uh, anger against you. And uh, you know what? It's just uh, it's a tough time for everyone. And I think uh, we're, we're making some progress. I don't know how quick it will be, but uh, there's a lot of great people in law enforcement and uh, can't say it enough. Just thank you for what you do. It's a thankless job. Uh, we, we don't say it enough. And, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers are for everyone out there uh, fighting the good fight, standing up for right, uh, just helping other people. All the all the things that, you know, we've been taught as as kids over over time, uh, what's important out there, even though society's kind of at times uh, a little backwards. Uh, so we, we, we want everyone to stand up for everybody. I hope anybody who listening to this program understands that any guests that, that come on, any opinions that get shared, you know what? We're just we're just here to talk. We're here to share ideas. Um, you know, not try to uh, get get too bogged down in, in one uh, topic or one uh, 
viewpoint. We're just trying to get some, express some various opinions, get get some different viewpoints on things. And uh, I think you know where where this show stands on some issues. And you know we're always going to support law enforcement. And, uh, you know, just in general, uh, military and, you know, everyday citizens who, who go out there and, and do the right thing and really, really want to uh, make this country, make this world a better place. So once again, thank you to everyone for tuning in. Can't say it enough. Really excited about tomorrow's show. Ken Lee, thanks for bringing it today. Really appreciate all you do. Uh, Jason Ramos, you're on deck for tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. Guys, whatever you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. <laughs>